Gerald the Boss Man Show. JR and John here. I just want to encourage you guys to keep listening to the show. We, we're enjoying it. We're loving your feedback. And to email us at holla, H-O-L-L-A, at bossmanradioshow.com. Make sure I'm spelling it right. H-O-L-L-A, at bossmanradioshow.com. For to get your emails right on the air. Also, check us out our website. Uh, we're currently going to be redoing it, but we have some stuff out there for you. BossmanRadioShow.com. Also, the old school BossmanShow.com. We can listen to stuff, see pictures, Instagram, all that kind of good stuff. At. Uh, also, uh, we're on free mobile radio apps, John, and we're on Audio Boom. Go there. Go to iHeartRadio. Yeah. Uh, Google Play Music iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn. We also have a Blog Talk Radio archive with single segments available there. And you can consume the show, John, and people in many ways. You can do it via single segment form or the full hour form, John, and the people out listening. So I feel like, uh, guys, uh, just follow us on Twitter as well. Twitter is at Bossman Show, Jared the Bossman. Uh, J.D. Beckler on Twitter, Instagram, The Boss Man Show, J.R. The Boss Man. Facebook, we have two fan pages, J.R. The Boss Man, Boss Man Show. And we just pretty much, J.R. The Boss Man, Boss Man Show. Search for that. You can find the show, find myself, and keep up with us. And, John, for the people who are learning the show and learning about us, what can you encourage them to do for us, following us on Twitter and Facebook and listen to the show archives to kind of get a feel for us? Well, I think that if you um, start following the show on Twitter, you'll be able to get access to all the shows there, <clears throat> plus all the, the news and updates that JR's got going on. You'll see a bunch of cool uh, shots JR takes when he's out on the road at events, uh, games, concerts, all kinds of different stuff. Um, the changes that you talked about at BossmanRadioShow.com, the website, are going to be really sweet once they come out. Going to totally revamp the whole thing. Uh, we're going to have news feeds on there for you so you can get your uh, sports content right there in one place. You can get the show sports content. You can get the Twitter feed, the Facebook feed. Uh, everything will be a one-stop shop for everyone once that's complete. And I'm uh, hoping that we can have that done by the end of the month, JR. We'll see. It might creep into February a little bit, but uh, it's progressing along as we speak. I was working on it today, my friend, so I know uh, <clears throat> we'll do a little show meeting on air here. I was, work- I was working on it today, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Always good. Even on the day of show, John's working, people. Even he See, he's prepping for the show and doing show business behind the scenes. Even on day of show. So that man is prepared. He's no time we're on the air here. You know it's 8 in the morning. That means he was up at 5 this morning getting his IT on. You feel me? Holly, if you hear me. <laughs> you know? Listen, you know, have coffee. Have coffee. We'll travel, JR. You know, it'll, it'll make it happen. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm starting to like coffee more and more. I'll be coached. They afford to turn me on to Starbucks. You know? I'm learning the light Starbucks. I'm hanging out with Coach Ford. Coffee is key, bro. As you get older and older, like right now, <clears throat> I'm pushing 40, bro. So uh, in March, I'll be turning 40. And I pretty much can't do anything until I have that morning cup of joe. So I kind of stumble downstairs. I have that electronic, uh, not electronic, but that programmable 
coffee pot, you know, you turn the program with the night before, so my coffee's waiting for me, you know, hook that up, and once I have the coffee, I sit there and, you know, kind of uh, shake out the cobwebs for about five, ten minutes, I'm ready to roll. Man, like, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read a coffee gal, but like I said, Coach Ford trimming on these lattes and these different kind of coffees and caramels and, and Starbucks, I'm like, okay, it might be some for me. Uh, down the road as I get older or as we on the air four hours, I'm learning to use water and coffee so my throat stays dry. So, you know, I'm learning. Uh, I'm trying you know, to we sh- you know what we should do? What's that? Is, uh, based on this conversation, just had an idea, man. Let's uh, let's put some uh, some coupon stuff for some coffee, you know, some, some restaurant places up on the website. The listeners can hop on, grab a promo code or something when they go into the coffee shop. Starbucks, wherever we can hook it up, put some of those on there, and they can just uh, you know hit the site in the morning before they get their morning coffee. Maybe get a little little discount. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Now, now, how, now, how is it that Coach Rod Reed is almost 50 years old and doesn't drink coffee at all? How is that possible? I don't even know, bro. Because my man, he's hype anyway. So, like, <laughs> can you imagine if he ha- if he like you slipped him some caffeine, like via coffee, like he might <laughs> might spin out of control, bro. You better keep a handle on that. You better believe that. And of course, our man JC 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 doesn't drink coffee. He he's all yeah, boss. I'm just you know I'm just me, boss. I wake up and you know I'm me. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a life I don't know. I don't even remember that life. I've been drinking coffee for pushing twenty some odd years now. So I, mean, I started drinking coffee when I was like seventeen, eighteen years old. I'm gonna say three people don't need coffee. Ira Kaufman, J.C. Smith, and Rod Reed. Three people don't don't who do not need coffee ever in life. <laughs> I listen. That's probably that's probably true. That's true. I I can, I don't function well without it. I mean, I need a little little get me up and go in the morning just to kind of to help me go. And I've had some days like back when I had my uh, back surgery. You know, I had to be off. You know caffeine and all that type of stuff for a period of time before the surgery and even after it didn't really appeal to me because of the the recovery and some of the medications i was on but that was rough bro let me tell you that was rough i can only imagine what folks look here as always check us out you heard it bossmanshow.com is going to update it twitter facebook bossman show hey stay stay with us hey enjoy this week's show it's going to be great. We've got some great guests for you, great topics, and great segments, emails, boss report. Stick and stay, folks. JR and John, the Boss Man Show. We in it. Let's go. Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathletics.com consulting.com once again www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com 
or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Boss Man Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Gerald, the Boss Man Show. We're joined by Bleacher Report senior writer and 448 podcast host Howard Beck. Howard, how are things up there in New York right now, my man? Uh, cold, always cold, <laughs> but, all, but but all but all good otherwise. Well, would you believe this? We're getting snow here in Atlanta tonight, so we'll have snow here. Unbelievable. In Georgia, so it's not fun for us either down here, man. I went to Walmart earlier today. It's everything's cleared out, brother. No water, oh. no nothing. It's all gone. Oh. Unreal. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, you know, I wanted to ask you about Harry. Should I ask you about this, man? Uh, the trade deadline is coming on February eighth, and I'm not hearing any, any much movement, any traction of, of deals so far. It seems like it's real, real slow. So, do you feel the deadline moving up and? Byron and Sellers really not showing themselves quite yet, and you know, a lack of available catchway this summer is affecting the market, kind of making it be quiet as it suppresses at the moment right now, Howard? Well, you know, you never know when things are going to start to break with, with regard to the trade season. I don't know if the trade deadline moving up is going to motivate teams to get engaged uh, more aggressively or whether it's going to have more teams decide, you know, hey, it's it's so soon, we feel like we're still in it, we're going to hang on and, and maybe not make deals. I mean, it, 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 there's just no telling how this is ultimately going to affect things with this being the, the earliest trade deadline in, in you know, recent history. Um, I think there will be deals. I think we'll probably see some, some significant ones because there, you know, you know, there's a lot of names out there that, that in, in, in situations that just kind of make sense that kind of call out for a move. But I, it's just it's just too too soon to tell. There's nothing serious, I don't think, going on as we speak uh, here on January whatever today is the 16th. But you know we've we've still got you know a few weeks to go here. I, I think I think there'll be some action. Now, this is what I'm trying to figure out, Howard. I'm trying to I'm looking at the standings and I'm I'm having a hard time myself trying to you know point out buyers and sellers myself because I know. Memphis and Atlanta teams I cover the most. They're sellers, of course. They, they won't be picks in cap space and you know, young players. But a lot of the standings kind of jumbled together, especially when you, in the Eastern Conference. Not so much in the Western Conference, but in the East. Like, get, people might still think they have a chance and still want to go for it and push the field of the medal. So I'm trying, trying to have a hard time to figure out who the buyers and sellers are right now, Howard. Well, I, I think that's what I was kind of alluding to with regard to this earlier deadline is that when you get to late February – when the trade deadline you know, had been mid to late February, 
you know, at that point, you know, it's time to pull the plug. If you're a team that's, you know, maybe four games out of, of the playoffs or five, six games out of the playoffs, and you can kind of more safely conclude that, Hey, we really don't have um, a shot here anymore, or it, it's a long shot. Let's trade some of our veterans and, and try to restock and, 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 you know, go young, uh, that, that kind of agenda. Um, with a February 8th trade deadline, you know, teams might feel like, like it's, it's just too soon to, to make that call. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at a team like this, like, you know, the Knicks who are in my backyard, um, you can make a very strong case that they should just be planning for the future, that they should trade a guy like Courtney Lee, who could be really valuable to a contending team or a strong playoff team or Kylo Quinn, who's on a pretty cheap contract. I mean, they've got veterans who could help out elsewhere and clear the room for, um, for their young guys. And that would make sense, but they're just on the fringe enough and they have just enough pressure, I think on a new front office and a, and a second year coach that they want to show progress, but they may be hesitant to do that. They might still want to chase the playoffs. And so it may turn them from a seller into a, a, a standing pat team. Um, and, and yeah, the East, you know, there's so many teams that could plausibly convince themselves they're in the running that it, it, it makes it harder to, to find the sellers. That said, I think by the time we get to February 8th or close to it, you know, a few more teams will kind of come to reality and decide, you know, it, it's time to uh, to look at something else. We have Howard Beck on the Boston Show and Blitzer Report in the 448 podcast. Now, Howard, also looking at the Cavaliers, I, I, I hear drummers with DeAndre Jordan, and I'm thinking to myself, if you're Cleveland, Howard, What's the point of making a deal when you don't know LeBron's going to be there or not? Uh, DeAndre Jordan doesn't help you in Golden State. He, he he wouldn't play when you play, when you play the Clippers, play the Warriors. Pretty much he's off the floor. They kill him in pick, pick and rolls. So it's like if you're Cleveland, if I'm Kobe Altman, which I would just stand pat and let things just ride out and let LeBron happen wherever LeBron happens. But are you hearing they're going to try to make a move of some sort just to try to see what they can do? They're going to try to kind of let that their agent roster go to where it is. Well, here's the thing with, with Cleveland. Even if Le- you think that the LeBron is, is leaving, and I think a lot of people around the league believe he's got one foot out the door already, but even if you think he's leaving, you know, especially if he's leaving, this might be the last chance you have as a franchise to try to win a title in a long, long time. When a, when a player of his caliber, a once-in-a-generation player, comes along, you do everything possible to win titles while you've got him. Because once he goes, it could be years, decades before you get a player like him again. And to me, that means you're obligated to try to do everything possible to win it all now. Um, I, you know, I understand the need or the, the impulse to say that, well, they shouldn't trade the Nets pick that they own or they shouldn't trade any other assets because they have to plan on rebuilding after he's gone. Well, then you're conceding this season. You're, you're basically saying we'd rather – you know, just let this one go and Hey, maybe we win it. Maybe we don't, but we'd rather be able to plan for the future. Well, okay, fine. But that future is not going to, if it's not going to involve LeBron, it's also not going to involve anybody of his, his caliber. You're not winning a title anytime soon. Anyway, um, make the most of the time you've got with him while you've got him. That's the way I look at it. Uh, go, you should be all in, you should do everything possible. And that doesn't mean you trade away picks for nothing and you don't trade them away unless you're getting the right deal. And to your point, yeah, I'm not sure if DeAndre Jordan is, is the answer there. Um, you know, other names that have been floated, you know, Marcus Saul or DeMarcus Cousins or, you know, maybe a wing player. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know where it ends up. I don't know what's, what's realistic for them at this point. But, if, but you, you can't just turn a, uh, a blind eye to the situation and say we're just going to go with what we've got. You have to try to improve. 
you have to try to win another title with LeBron there, especially if he's leaving. I totally agree with you there, Howard. Back on the Boss Man Show now, Howard. Sticking that same, the Cavaliers. I read a report today from ESPN Athletic and Cleveland.com that prominent players, which I assume this was probably LeBron, Jr., and some Tristan <laughs> Thompson probably said something dead about it's not fixable like he is this year. So with with the with the roster is constructed, Isaiah Thomas will help you defensively. Jay Crowder is looking to shell of himself, and Tristan's again healthy, loves what he is. Uh, didn't they know this when they got the roster together and the offseason this was going to be? And what do you feel about these anonymous sources and these anonymous players talking to these guys about the team wellness and outright in the media? I mean, I'm not going to speculate who that might have been in terms of, of, of who, you know, which players were going to those media outlets. Uh, I don't want to speculate on, on why they chose to be anonymous as opposed to saying it on the record. I mean, I, I do think that those were things that they could have easily seen the record. They're not particularly controversial comments as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and in fact, they articulated the same concerns I've expressed about their roster since the beginning of the season, which is that I didn't think this team um, had everything it needed. Uh, that once you trade Kyrie for a damaged Isaiah Thomas, um, you're, you're already in the hole. You've lost one of the top 10, 15, 20 players, whatever, wherever you want to rank Kyrie you've lost that player and you've replaced him with a guy, Isaiah Thomas, who when at his peak is, is nearly as, as effective as Kyrie, but is, you know, is not as his peak. They traded for a guy who ended up being out for seven and a half months. And so far it has not looked quite as effective as, as we're used to seeing from him. And maybe he gets there. Maybe he doesn't. But the fact is they've got a very old roster. They have, uh, you know, a lot of guys who are, who are kind of one-trick ponies who, who, you know, don't do much else other than say, you know, Jose Calderon can make an open three. Channing Frank can make an open three, but they're not going to do much else for you. Um, it, it, it is not a – it's not a great roster. I've, I've said that it's, I think, the worst surrounding cast that LeBron has had since he left Cleveland back in 2010. Um, and it's still potentially good enough to get out of the East – but it's certainly not good enough to beat the Warriors in the finals should they get there. So um, that that some players are sounding the alarm and basically, you know, make, you know, putting the call out to the front office or, or wherever to say, look, we need help. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not surprised. Now we had this goofy. I was out the NBA last night with Chuck. Chuck and Shaq just lost it when Roz go to who they talked about the LAPD was watching the, the Clippers. Well, the, the Rockets bus, rather. I mean, the, the back ch- story going around the, the back stable center. Now, Howard, have you heard anything like this crazy, like this ever in your years covering the NBA, that the guys knew about the back channel in the Staples Center to go back there and try to get in the locker room and get after Griffin and Austin Rivers? And that just shows how bad it was for Chris Paul, how toxic it was on that team. So, <laughs> it kind of feel like Chris Paul's moved to Houston now, vindicated because of what happened last night. Well, it was certainly unusual. I don't think in my 20 years of covering the league I've ever seen or heard of anything quite like what happened there. Um, I don't know what exactly the Rockets were hoping to accomplish in going to their locker room, um, whether it's the front door, the back door, or anywhere else. I, you know, they were climbing through air conditioning ducts. Uh, I don't know. You know, it doesn't really matter what the uh, the path was. I don't understand what the, the the point was. You know, you're either going over there to confront guys. And getting into a physical altercation, in which case you're putting everybody at risk and you're risking suspensions and all kinds of other stuff, not to mention just the embarrassment to the NBA, or you're going there just to posture, in which case, what's the point anyway? 
Um, it's it's good that nothing happened. It's good that there there wasn't any any, uh, any altercation. Um, but the league isn't going to look at it as okay, no harm, no foul. They're going to look at you, you know, created a volatile situation there where somebody might have been tempted to shove or throw down or do something that stepped over the line and, and caused a major scene. And the league is going to look at what that risk was, and they're I think they're going to you know discipline guys accordingly. Now, Howard, I've seen a coach get run over like that since I saw. I remember Jason Key did the Mike Woodson here in Atlanta. I forget what year it was. and got a technical foul on Mike Woodson by running into him on the sidelines. He was too far up the line. So did Blake cross the line by running into Mike D'Antoni, or should he have just went around him a little bit more, or he did that on purpose? I don't know. Um, I don't want to I don't want to mind read there. Um, you know, D'Antoni certainly took it as, as something that was intentional on the part of, of Blake Griffin. Um, you know, you can certainly read it that way, but yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what was going on there. I got you. And the last one I got for you, Howard, is this, uh, you know, the teams we covered down here, Atlanta and Memphis, they're pretty much in tank mode. Uh, with the, are you, are you hearing they go trying to get some like Kent Bazemore baby on the market for the Hawks to get some young players and picks back for him? And do you feel like Mike Budenholzer and JB Bickerstaff will see these, these, rebuilds through or would they both be let go before the rebuild is complete in your opinion well to the first part of the question i mean with with more or anyone else i mean i think the hawks are in the position especially with the new front office there with travis schlank they're gonna i think they're gonna listen to everything i mean there's there's not you know, they're, they're not married to any of these guys um and you know they're clearly in a rebuilding mode and you have to explore everything you know you're starting almost from scratch so there, there's nothing that shouldn't be on the table in terms of potential deals. Um, and I would say the same thing for, for Memphis. I know Memphis has already said outright that they don't have any intent of trading Gasol or Conley. I think that's a foolish position, frankly. I think you're, you know, you, you're not climbing out of this anytime soon. You've got no youth on the roster that's going to grow into something more. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of talk of trading Tyreek Evans, but I think they should be looking at, at Gasol and, and Conley too. Conley's tough because he's hurt, but with Gasol – plenty of value still for other teams around the league. Uh, I think they should be exploring that because the Grizzlies need to rebuild. Um, and as far as the coaches go, I don't speculate on, on coaches getting fired. Gotcha. Well, Howard, hey, man, I, I learned you on your road today, man. How was Applebee's, man? I love that place. How was it? <laughs> which which place? Applebee's. When you on your road today, how, how was Applebee's? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was just I, that was my route to the office, and I just had to walk by there, unfortunately. And they've got their music just blasting out on the sidewalk for some reason. So I was just apologizing for the, uh, the background noise. I've never been in that Applebee's. I don't ever intend to be in that Applebee's. <laughs> I hate you, man. Howard, hey, stay warm up there, man. Look forward to seeing you down the road, buddy. Have a good one. Good look on your podcast as well, brother. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take All care. Right. Howard Beck in the Boston Show, people.
all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hello, college basketball fans. This is Donnie Tyndall, former head basketball coach, and we're getting ready to have a top three with Tyndall with JR the Bossman and John, myself, as we analyze the college basketball season team by team, break down stats and facts, and give you all the basketball scoop across the country on a weekly basis. We hope you'll join us and look forward to talking hoops with you on the Bossman Show. hip-hop fans I got a great album for you the debut album from family grinding nc true speech and 313 fresh we're gonna give you two discs 33 songs of pure genuine hip-hop albums available on itunes amazon google play illstreetrex.com and streaming live right now on rhapsody beats music spotify xbox music slacker radio and soundcloud check them out today true speech and 313 fresh family grind ent believe in it get it Snakepick.com. He's a Raider guy, so I want to talk to him about the hire of Chucky, John Gruden. Bill, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Now, Bill, uh, I got to know Coach Gruden a little bit through Javon Hay, a former player who's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, I, who introduced me to John Gruden. And uh, he's a, I, I like him. He gets me excited. You know, uh, so how is the Raider Nation taking it? Taking it that Chucky's coming back, the man of John Gruden is back in the fold, leading the team to Lester's Oakland, and they moved up to Vegas. Oh, I mean, they're this is what they've been waiting for for years. You know, I mean, every time there's a Raider coaching change, and there's been a lot of them. You know, Raider fans ask, "Is this the year Gruden's coming back? Is this the year Gruden coming back?" And and the biggest Gruden fan of all is Mark Davis, the owner of the team, and you know, he said last week at the press conference that he's tried to hire him three times now, dating back to uh, 2012. And then, you know, he hired Dennis Allen. Gruden said no in 2015. Gruden said no, he hired Jack Del Rio. He went after Gruden this year. In 2017, as things were going unexpectedly bad for Del Rio, and Gruden said yes, he's ready to come back. And that's why they fired Del Rio. And, yeah, I mean, everybody's excited. It's really a a master stroke by Mark Davis because this is a team that was really the most disappointing in the NFL this year. They went 12 and four in 2016 and, you know, fell all the way down to six and 10. There wasn't a lot of injuries. They just didn't play well at all. So he really flipped the narrative from people talking about how disappointing they were to, 
now how intriguing the Raiders are with Gruden and, and the fans have really forgotten about 2017 already, whether that's right or wrong. Now, was the mistake made when when uh, Bill Musgrave was let go? Was that the mistake, in your opinion, where everything started to go down here from when Dario put in Tom Todd down there rather than and let Bill Musgrave go away? I mean, you can certainly point to that and be a hard time arguing that uh, case. I mean, you know, and you can say why didn't he fire Ken Norton Jr. after the 2016 and, and, and wait to uh, 11 games into the season because when they fired uh, Norton, they got a they, they improved and so you can say the fact that he fired Musgrave and kept Norton were, were two big mistakes by uh, by Jack Del Rio. Musgrave's offense was number six in the NFL in 2016, very explosive. They fell all the way to 19 under Downing and, and was really kind of lost and. The worst part is a lot of analysts and a lot of former players really went after that offense saying how elementary it was. And, and, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's going to change in a Gruden because he has a reputation for being, you know, one of the, the great offensive masterminds, you know, in the recent history. And uh, I see where they brought back Tom Cable. So what that's, to me, Bill, maybe I'm wrong. It signifies that John Gruden may want to have one more year of Marshawn Lynch because that's that zone blocking scheme that Marshawn is used to. I know, I know, I know they tried some zone blocking scheme, but it ended up going back to the, the power game later in the year, and it got a little bit more successful running the football. If they went back to the more power game that they're used to before the, the zone scheme that Marshawn likes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are connecting those dots because Cable, <coughs> excuse me, was Seattle's. Uh, offensive line coach during Marshawn's run there, and he does run a, a, a kind of a power, uh, excuse me, his own blocking offense, as you say. But the off, the Raiders' offense line is really built for power blocking. So, I, you know, I don't know how much the cable fit. I, I think John Green hired cable because he was a really good offensive line coach. I don't think it had anything to do with Marshawn. Now, maybe there'll be a byproduct of that. You know, maybe there'll be some, maybe that will help down the line, but I don't think that was the, the main reason at all. Gotcha. Folks, you got Bill Wimson here on the Boss Man Show. Now, you know, uh, I, I like Cooper. I, I read a report that Crabtree probably will not be back. So, as John Gruden takes over his program, what should he focus on for his areas of need and concern as we go into the offseason for agency real fast for next year? I think defense, I mean, the thing about the Raiders was that they, the thing about 2017 was that the offense really regressed and the defense, they didn't do, they didn't improve the defense much at all. Now, their first two picks were hurt most of the season, defensive backs. So they'll get those guys back and they'll be essentially rookies next year, but they didn't do much around them. So the defense needs a lot of improvement and now the offense probably does as well. So I think the Raiders have more holes than they thought they were going to have. Um, you know, going into 2017 year, I think there's uh, that list is bigger th- right now. Um, but it's still defense. Um, I, you know, if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they really got they're in the position they're in because they scored in free agency and in the draft on defense, and that's something the Raiders have not done. They have Khalil Mack, and that's about it for their uh, impact players on defense. So I would still think they need to concentrate on getting defense defensive talent in, and then they need to fix Carr and Cooper, who really regressed in 2017. 
Now, defensively, Paul Gunther, I think, runs a 4-3 man press defense more so than that single eye safety Ken, that Ken Norton ran. So the personnel more sweet for Paul Gunther's uh, press man, rusher four, have the linebackers kind of in, in, in those deep mid-zones there, or are they more suited for that Seattle single high cover three defense? I think it's going to be kind of looking like Minnesota's defense a little bit. Gunther is a protege of Mike Zimmer. So try to get something like that going. And, yeah, I mean, again, they'll probably need some different fits, but that's okay because they're going to have to replace a lot of guys no matter what system they're going to run. They need an influx of talent. So, um, you know, that's that's the key is that, yeah, there's he's, Gunther's going to want specific guys. And and they have the holes there that you know they're they're gonna they're gonna need a draft, have a really good draft, and they're gonna need to pick up a couple of starters in uh, free agency too, I believe. Now looking at that division, uh, most likely Alex Smith is gone. Philip Rivers is still there with the L.A. Chargers, and then you have the Broncos. Who know what they who knows what they'll get at quarterback. Uh, as we sit here today, are you confident that the Gruden can get those guys a wild card maybe next year? I won't say win the division quite yet, maybe a wild card? You know, it's a really – I mean, that's what you would think that they, they should compete for, that, you know, they maybe get up to 9-7. and seven. The AFC is not a good conference at all. I mean, the Raiders are bad all year, and they didn't get eliminated until um, week 16, and they finished 6-10. and 10, So – um, you know, you maybe get into the playoffs eight and eight, nine and seven. So I, I think the playoffs are attainable for the Raiders next year. Um, attainable for a lot of teams in the AFC. They just got to get better. He's just got to get Carr better. He's got to get Cooper better. He's got to get some talent on defense. Those things happen. They'll take care of themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think after what we saw last year, I don't know if you can say the Raiders can be a Super Bowl contender next year, but you can say that in 2019 if the right things happened in 2018. And look at, we just talked about the Jaguars. They were three and 13 last year. And now they're, you know, now they're going to New England to play for the AFC title. So things can happen quickly. Now, is there a concern about, read about where there's some concern or where Derek Carr may not be able to deal with Gruden's constant grading and verbal abuse and constant micromanaging of him? Do you see it being a problem with Derek Carr? Or do you think Derek Carr is a, a mature enough to deal with John Gruden and the way he handles his quarterbacks like uh, prized possessions? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a believer in Derek Carr. I think he's a really, uh, a really matured, good guy, um, very likable guy. Um, I've talked to some people that have been on coaching staffs with him in the past in Oakland, and they said that, you know, this is going to be an interesting pairing. John Gruden does, you know, for lack of a better word, really kind of beat down on his quarterbacks, very verbal. Um, but I think Derek Carr will be able to handle it. Derek Carr, I kind of see him as a people pleaser. I think he wants to do well. He's, I think he wants to, you know, make people around him happy. So I, I don't – maybe it won't be a perfect fit, but that's okay. I, I don't – yeah, going into it, I don't think it's going to be – a problem where, like, oh, these guys can't coexist each other. I would be surprised if we got to that point. Now, I'm kind of biased. I like John Gruden. We've been around him in a non-football setting, per se. But with the, with the day's player being out since 2009, 
do you think the way his style is would work with today's player that mostly see him as a broadcaster, this cuddly guy, not knowing that he can be a fiery red ball like that Chucky guy can come out in a heartbeat? Yeah, you know, it's funny that, you know, when Jack O'Reilly got fired, you know, there's already speculation, heavy speculation, that John Gruden was going to be the coach, and most of the Raiders players asked about it, really just knew him as an announcer. I mean, maybe some of his older guys, you know, nine years isn't very long, but for, you know, a 27-year-old guy, that might be quite a bit of time. So um, I don't think it's anything that he's going to have to have real big problems. You know, he's only 54 years old. Um, it's not like he's this ancient, old-school guy coming coming back, you know, so I, I don't think it's going to be a big problem. It would be a little bit of adjustment in, in everything, rules, CBA, everything, but I don't think it's anything insurmountable for John Gruden. Now, Bill, for those like, Raider fans out here in Atlanta who want to come to your website at RaiderStatePit.com, so uh, how can they go to your site? Uh, what kind of content can they expect for the Raider fans out here you know, out here in Atlanta, here in the Southeast, who, who love the Raiders and want to keep up with your coverage of the Oakland Raiders? Well, um, it is a brand new site. It's 10 days. We actually, uh, my partner, Steve Corkin, who's another longtime Raider reporter, was able to break the story that Gruden was indeed coming to Oakland. And we were going to launch last Monday, but that happened on the Friday before, and we got a lot of attention for it. And we just said we have to press the button and, and, and go now. So we went three days early. So, you know, breaking a major news story on your first day of existence, hopefully is good karma. And, uh, it's Raiders snake pit because it's a nod to the old hall of fame Raider quarterback, Ken Stabler, a portion of all, it's a subscription site, a portion of all, um, subscriptions go to the XO XO Stabler foundation, which is run by his daughter, Kendra. And it, uh, and it benefits the Ronald McDonald house and also a CTE, Research, so you're not only going to get wall-to-wall Raider coverage, but you're going to you know, honor the past, which is important to Raider fans, and, and and do a good deed. So, go to RaiderSnakeBit.com, and we do have a free story each day if you want to check us out and feel good about it, and then subscribe. That'd be terrific. All right, well, Bill, thank you so much for your Raider knowledge. Like I said, I love the Raiders because now, because like I said, I have kind of got to know John Gruden a little bit off the record here. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you guys and cheering for the Raiders now because I know the guy who's the coach out there. Yeah, he's a fun one. Yes, indeed. Hey, man, thank you. Take it easy, Bill. We'll talk to you around the draft again, man. Okay, anytime. Thanks a lot. All right, Bill Whips here on the Boston Show, people. This need to be. from Suntan City gives you an inner glow that relights the fire when you run into your first crush. Vicky, who is that? An old boyfriend. Lucky you just tanned at Suntan City. Lucky he's single. We're doing lunch tomorrow. Won't be single for long then. During Tour of the City, try all five tans, including spray tan for just $4.99. Restrictions may apply. Click to buy now.
Kenna Jr. the Boss Man Show. We're joined by the capologist for Basketball Insiders, and also does a lot of work with the Lakers. Uh, Eric Pink is on the Boss Man Show. Eric, how's LA, man? How are you guys doing out there in La La Land? Oh, well, we're enjoying the weather. You know, it's uh, I wore shorts and a t-shirt today, but it got a little chilly. I know how you guys are dying out there, but yesterday it was like eighty-something degrees. So uh, you know, I'm just freezing today because I should have wore something heavier. I'm just messing with you. Hey, I wish I was out there with you guys, man. You know what's crazy about it? I watch the Lakers all the time, man. I was just in Memphis yesterday, and they got beat by the Grizzlies who are struggling. And I am, Do you feel like this whole LeVar Ball cloud is messing with the young guys here, messing with Luke, Luke Walton? It's kind of being a bad vibe with organization with this guy constantly running his mouth, even when he's not even in the country. Well, I, I think the problem is, is when Lonzo doesn't play the game, the Lakers are terrible. Uh, that's really the issue is that Lonzo's had a few injuries and their defense, which is interesting because I didn't know what kind of defensive player he would be. And he's not really even a lockdown individual defender, but the team's defense and the team's depth is so much better when you have Lonzo on the floor that this is a team that maybe isn't a playoff team, but they're a quality team. And then you take Lonzo off and they're just as bad as they were last year. And last year was just a disaster. They have no defense. They had no depth at the point position. So I don't think any of what – actually, after the whole thing came out with LeVar, they went on that, that win streak. I think they won – it was a four in a row, something like that. So uh, I, I don't think those comments are – first of all, I thought the comments that were made weren't as inflammatory as the headlines suggested and all the talk on all the shows, you know, I, all, all the media, everyone talking about it, myself included. We all talk about what LeVar said, but reality is he didn't say anything that was crazy. The Lakers were on a really bad nine-game losing streak, and uh, he said it doesn't look like those guys want to play, and it didn't. And Luke was saying basically the same thing, just in different words. So LeVar's a, a salesman. Uh, there's a lot that you can say positive and a lot you can say negative about what he's doing. I know most people want to say negative. I, I see some positives. Uh, but that said, it is a distraction, but I don't think it's a significant one. I don't think it's the reason why the Lakers play poorly, and they play a heck of a lot better when they have LeVar's son Lonzo in the lineup. Uh, do you feel like that the team maybe wants Lonzo to be more aggressive, more assertive on the offensive end, and boys pushing the ball, taking his shots, uh, being more more aggressive rather than playing a little bit passive? Yeah, sorry about that. Doesn't know what happened. It just cut out. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're back here with Eric Pincus, people. Sorry about that. There, we had a little technical difficulty. He's back with us now. I was saying, Eric, before the line, dis- the line disconnected, Eric was that uh, Lonzo tends to play a little bit passively sometimes. The Luke wants him to be more aggressive and push the ball more, take his own shot more, assert himself a little bit more rather than kind of trying to just trying to sit back and let the all flow back to him. But does he want to be more of the aggressor and cause activity both ways on, on, on the floor now going forward? How do you guys feel about that? Well, when Lonzo first joined up in the NBA, remember he's 19 when he started, he's 20 now, uh, he just didn't have a lot of confidence in what he was trying to do. So Luke was really encouraging to be aggressive because when he's aggressive, the team is, is better. Uh, they're just flat out. And there, there are aspects of Lonzo's game that aren't going to be there for some time, like his ability to drive and finish. That That's going to take some time for him to learn. Uh, his jump shot was dreadful to start the season, but if you go over the last month, he's actually shooting the ball really well, especially from three. Uh, and he's been aggressive, and what they want is they want the ball to move quickly. They, they've actually changed some of their play sets so that they have Brandon Ingram bring the ball up, and they have uh, Lonzo come off of uh, some of their actions and, and, and 
just catch and shoot. And, and once that gets him going, uh, it keeps the, the flow moving. He's really just tremendous in how unselfish he is. And so there's a point where if he's so unselfish that teams always play him to pass and never really to score, that it hurts. It hurts them. That's, a, that's something you have to teach all the great point guards in this league, the ones who are true point guards. And it's the hardest thing for them to learn is when do you call your own number because your whole mindset is to pass the ball. I mean, even guys like Steve Nash, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, the great true point guards, they had to learn that at some point. Some of them learned it more quickly. Uh, some of them learned in college more. Some of them it took a few years. Steve Nash wasn't Steve Nash right away. Uh, but that said, Lonzo is, is unique to who he is. He's a really, really wonderful passer. But it, it, it's if Kyle Kuzma's having a big night, Julius Randle's having a big night, whoever's having a big night, he's just very happy getting them the ball and, and if he has a game where he has 10 assists and zero points he's going to be happy but as you suggested for luke luke wants some balance and he wants there to be that, enough points there so the defenses have to play lonzo honestly and uh kyle kuzma has been a revelation i didn't know the guy was that good uh when he was drafted just seeing him play like he's a scorer he could be a defender once he learns to defend so how happy are luke and the guys about the development of kyle kuzma what he's brought to the team so far well they got him with the 27th pick and if you were to redraft uh everything all the the players who are playing in this draft kuzma would certainly be in the top five uh, where exactly we can debate uh some would say even higher and and he's a really I thought that I thought that what we saw in summer league was he was just hot, right? And then in preseason, I'm like, okay, he's just hot. At some point, he'll cool down. But now, I mean, there's some games where he he won't score 20 points or 18 points or something like that. And I'm like, okay, he, well, what's going on here? We're expecting at this point this kid to just pour in at least 20 points a game, and that's pretty amazing to get that from the 27th pick. And he he's been a great fit with Lonzo. He's a modern era four. He's a stretch four. Uh, he's made Julius Randle and Larry Nance a little bit expendable, and I think he's really their power forward of the future. Uh, recently, he spent more of his efforts working on passing and playing defense because the, the coaching staff got on him and that all he's doing is scoring, and they really want him to raise up his defensive level. And so we saw a little bit of a dip in some of his scoring efficiency, but his defense got a lot better, and in that stretch, the Lakers were winning pretty well. So uh, he's not someone who's going to carry the team. Like I said, when Lonzo's out, he's not ready to carry the team. Equally, uh, when that team is at full strength, and whether he's starting or coming off the bench, he's a, just a tremendous steal for the Lakers. We have Eric Pingas here on the Boss Man Show. Now, Eric, looking at the roster, trade deadline's coming up February 8th. Uh, is Luol Deng in play or Robin Lopez? Lopez is in play, Corey Brewer. Are those guys in play to clear cap space for potential those two max slots, or have the Lakers given up on trying to move those contracts based on having not having to put a sweetener in, get somebody takes them off, offload off their, off their hands of a bad contract? Well, uh, Corey Brewer is in the last year of his deal. So is Lopez, Brooke Lopez. Uh, so there's not necessarily a, a motivation to trade them unless another team wants to give something valuable back. I don't think there's any team in this league who's really interested in taking Luol Deng. And if they were, it would take at least a first, at least a good first-round pick from the Lakers, if not a first and a player or even two firsts. So I don't think the Lakers are going to get out of Luol Deng. They're going to have to work around that contract. And I wrote an article for Bleacher Report that came up with some unique, creative ways of, of getting out of it. Uh, maybe stretching his contract not only over five years. I, I wrote about a way that they could stretch that contract over 11 years to kind of reduce the impact this year, this summer, 
when it matters most when they want to go shopping. Really the question, though, because Rob Polinka, the general manager, and Magic Johnson, who's the president of basketball operations, they've talked a lot about going after two stars, but the Lakers don't really have the spending power yet to go after two. They have the spending power to go after one star. If they want to go after two, they probably have to lose Julius Randle, probably have to lose Jordan Clarkson. And so Clarkson's the one who would be traded. The question is, will they trade him by the deadline, or will they trust that they can make a deal over the summer, either around the draft or at the very start of July, which may be difficult because a lot of teams are going to know what the Lakers are trying to do. They may not want to help them. So lots of intrigue as far as the Lakers and what they do at the trade deadline. I don't think they're really looking right now to make giant moves that help. They're they're certainly not in contention, so you're not going to make a move for today. The question is if you make a move for tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, right, and summer comes, and if the big stars don't, come if they don't get two stars and they've traded away Jordan Clarkson or they've let go of Julius Randle or trade Julius Randle what happens if you trade those guys now and then when you go star hunting you don't get the stars and now what now you've given up two really nice young players what do you have to show for it so these are the questions that they're facing and uh, I look forward to seeing what the answers are around that deadline now Eric are science trades would that would always work for Randle and in a deal for a star and throw it in Clarkson, maybe to clear out that cap space that way. Would that would that be something they'll be interested in doing? Or even if it came down to sign trade with Lawal, then throw him in there and put a sweetener in there just to get him off the books to get the max guy in there. Would that something they make consider? Yeah. That? That's not possible at all. It's not a matter of possible. It's a matter of reasonable. Do you trade away really valuable assets like first round picks or Brandon Ingram? That's what it's going to take, right? You don't give up Brandon Ingram just to get rid of Louisville Deng. You don't give up Lonzo Ball. That, teams aren't going to be asking for Jordan Clarkson because if if they want Jordan Clarkson and if you're going to pay him $12 million and then you're going to pay Louisville Deng, say, $18 million, are you willing – you're functionally paying Jordan Clarkson $30 million a year because you're taking on that baggage. So it's not just Clarkson, it's Deng. No one in their right mind is going to pay Jordan Clarkson $30 million a year. He's a good player. He's a nice, uh, nice piece, but that's too much. So they're, it, it, focusing on Deng isn't really the solution. The solution on, on Deng is probably to, to just buy him out, stretch him out, find a way to be creative that way. Uh, and, and like I said, I've written on that on Bleacher Report. And if you look for it, you, you can see some of the creative ways they can do that. More likely, you know, the issue with sign and trade with Randall is, is that Randall takes up about $12.5 million of their space. So as long as he's on their books, even unsigned, he, they can't go and spend that money. So they would have to renounce him let him go, and now they can't sign and trade him. And the thing is with with uh, restricted free agents is it usually takes time. It, usually restricted free agents aren't resolved in the first week of July. Usually those are, are the last guys to get resolved. So you look at like Alex Len with the Phoenix Suns, uh, Nerlens Noel with the Dallas Mavericks. These guys signed late with their teams for one more year, and they stuck around because they couldn't find a deal anywhere else. And the, the odds are that it's going to take some time for – Randall to figure out where he's going to end up if he's restricted. So if, if the Lakers are going after LeBron, if they're going after Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins, these guys are the first dominoes. These are the guys who are going to make their decisions. They're going to make their visits in the beginning of July. They're going to make commitments probably with three or four or five days. And if the Lakers are waiting to find someone at that point to make some sort of deal with Julius Randall, they could be waiting all they want. Those guys, are they're not going to have the room to go and make those big moves to get those big players so they would just have to let Randall go for nothing which is why you should consider trading at the deadline and that's the trick there won't be a lot of teams that have the money to pay Randall 
So if a team really wants to pay Randall and wants to have the advantage in keeping him, trading for him now is worthwhile. I don't think they, that anyone's going to give up a ton for Julius Randall, but you'd be surprised. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, Eric, you said something very key there about the cap, the cap space and the money being tight this summer. Uh, not for every team that's good have cap space this summer. So will this suppress the deadline deals with the cap being so tight with, with money out there available this summer? Or guys will try to hold, hold, to hold, stand packed, knowing the guys can't really get paid this offseason based on the cap numbers out there that's going to come up this offseason? Right. Well, it's going to vary. I mean, uh, a good example would be like the Clippers, right? If they keep DeAndre Jordan, they don't have any cap room. Uh, you look at teams like the Grizzlies and the Wizards and you go down a long list. These, these teams are spent. They don't have money. If DeMarcus Cousins leaves New Orleans for nothing, they don't have any money. And same with the Thunder. If uh, Paul George leaves, they don't have the means to replace them. Each team that's over the cap, which is probably about 20, 20 teams about, they'll have about eight and a half million dollars to spend. That's the, it's called the mid-level exception, right? So uh, the remaining 10 teams, give or take, they're going to go after the bigger names. And so once Paul George, Cousins, LeBron, you start going down the list, guys like Isaiah Thomas, and there's at least 10 free agents that are of note that are going to get that money. By the time you get to a Julius Randle, it's going to be like eight and a half million. And so a lot of teams are going to know that maybe getting the, the, that player now in trade so that they're my own restricted free agents so that we can pay them maybe $10 million and we don't have cap room. Like, for instance, let's say the Pelicans completely dive bomb over the course of the next week or two, and they fall out of the playoffs. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's say in two weeks, because they're right on the bubble still, they lose every game, and suddenly they're in, like, 10th place. Maybe they look and they say, you know what? Uh, it's not working. We're not going to keep Cousins. So why don't we go ahead and trade for Randall and Clarkson? Clarkson's under contract. And now when it comes time to pay Randall, because so many teams don't have cap room, they'd have the ability to pay him. He's restricted. They'd be able to keep him. And now they get two nice players, even guys they couldn't get if, if Cousins walks on his own and leaves without any compensation. So those are the kind of decisions that general managers are going to have to make, not just with Julius Randall, but with the market itself. Who, who's available and can you trade for someone now that you wouldn't be able to get in the summer because you don't have that spending power? I don't know the answer because none of these teams know the answer. They all know what they'd like to do. They'd all like to get the best players in the world and give up the give up nothing. But as you know, man, this is not how it works. you got to give up something to get something. And I'm curious to see how it all unfolds as, as we get to February 8th. i got two more for you, Eric. Uh, one being DeAndre Jordan. If I'm DeAndre Jordan, I opt into my deal of $24 million because I'm not getting on the open market. I would, I'm glad he has agents now to tell him he should opt in. They can back channel let him know. You're not getting some recruits on, on the market. Just opt in and take your 24th point with the Clippers. Make them trade you away. But I, he may want to opt out. I wouldn't do it, Eric, if I was DeAndre Jordan. Well, if he goes and hits the market, if he opts in, he's let's say he gets $25 million for opting in. Let's say that he opts out and he finds a team, even the Lakers, that's willing to pay him, say, $25 million a year and sign him for three or four years. Let's say four years. So he's not getting any more money that first year, right? Let's say he's taking 25 That's like the same as opting in. But he's signing a $100 million deal. I'm thinking he's going to opt out. I'm thinking it, there's not a lot of free agents. He's one of the top ones. He's probably the top center after, well, after Cousins. 
It's and not every team would like Cousins. Not every team's going to even go near him. Some teams don't like him. A lot of teams don't like him. So DeAndre is a good dude. He may stick around with the Clippers, but it's going to cost more than just opting in. I think he. It, it, I think it's really a question of how much can you get. And the Clippers, they're probably going to need to keep him. Try to keep Blake Griffin happy. Try to keep a product that is at least competitive. And we don't know. Maybe the Clippers say it's time to to go in a different direction. But if they either they pay him a new deal at about a hundred million dollars or more, or someone else will. So there's no real reason for him to opt in. I think you got to play that market, opt out, see what's out there. Even if you get twenty million, even if you take a pay cut of five million in that first year, but you get a four year deal at say eighty million dollars. You can't look at it as the one year that you lost five million. You got to look at it as you signed for sixty million more, and you don't know what happens in a year. You might get hurt. Your talent, you know, guys have catastrophic injuries. You got to lock in that money, especially where he is. Especially where he is in his career. He's he's been healthy. He's had a great career. This is probably his last chance to get a big contract. So I think you got to opt out if you're DeAndre. Cash in now as much as you can. Now, Eric, the Memphis Grizzlies, I feel like the Shannon Parsons deal ham- hamstrung them for one, but they should go on and try to look at trading Mike Conley and Mark Gasol because I know Memphis loves those guys, but they're going nowhere fast. Their roster is tapped out. Those two guys will make, make a difference. So, even like the Memphis Grizzlies cap and looking at them trying to get away from the grit and grind and start all the way over and rebuild and do what they have to do and start over again. Yeah, they're over-invested in a team that's mediocre. Now, if Mike Conley was healthy this year, It'd be a different story. They'd they'd be one of the top eight teams, or at least in that in that mix. But unfortunately, that's not the case, and he'll be back at some point. But it may not matter by the time he gets back. The bigger question is, is Mark Gasol, who can opt out of his contract soon as well. Not not right away, but he, he's nearing the end of his contract, and he's probably not going to stick around. But the problem with Mark is that he is older. Uh, he he's been in the league a while. He came in a little late. Uh, and, and so are you willing, if you're a team, to give up a lot? The, the Parsons contract was a big mistake, and they're really hamstrung. I don't think they're going to trade Conley. Uh, I think they hold on to him and, and try to uh, build around him, and uh, I could totally see them shopping Gasol at some point. So far, they've put out there that they're not shopping Gasol, but we have a few weeks to go, and I do think at some point they'll test the market. I don't think Conley goes on the block at this time, but I could I, I could see down the road maybe, but I think they'll they'll try moving Marcus all first, see what they can do to sort of shuffle it up, see if there's a way to a path to a, a new Grizzlies team, a new vibe, and, and then if that doesn't work, then you look to, to move Conley. And yeah, they're going to regret that Parsons contract for a bit of time, unfortunately, just like the Lakers with Bull Bang. Well, Eric, thank you for your knowledge as always, my brother. Hey, I hope you enjoy that L.A. sun. I'm looking forward to getting back out there again real soon. I enjoy myself out there. I love your area, man. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. I'm not complaining. And uh, I'll be out in your area in Atlanta uh, to do a little bit of NBA TV over at the trade deadline. So see you around then. Look forward to catching up with your brother. I got to hit you up when you get to town, man, no doubt. All right, now. Look forward to it. Talk to you soon. All right, folks. Eric Peterson, the Boston Show, people.